Would you please stand with me? Yeah. 
Thine are days that God has numbered. I was made to walk with Him, yet I look for worldly treasure and forsake the King of Kings. But mine is hope in my Redeemer, though I fall, His love is sure, for Christ
All right, on the count of three, you guys gonna do it really loud? You gonna help me? Help me wake up, Rocky? All right, count of three. One, two, three. Wake up, Rocky. Oh, here he comes. Oh, what you got? What's that sound like? Keys. Keys. Rocky, what are you doing with keys? Your treehouse don't have keys. Oh, he found them in the woods. Oh, somebody lost their keys. Looks like they've got a GMC truck or something. Looks like house keys, doesn't it? Someone's missing their key. Oh, there's a gas key. Must have a locking gas cap with GM. Here's a couple trucks. Wow, somebody's missing their keys. Are they going to do him any good laying in the woods? No, no, I bet you he's been missing them. They look like they've been there a while, huh? Because the animals might choke on them. Oh, the animals might choke on them? That's true if they try to eat them. Well, you know, God gave us keys too. Did you know that? These are God's keys. Look at this. They look like something that they'll open. What do you think they'll open? I don't know. Okay, well, let's, let's see. I've got something here. Okay, the first key is the pink one. All right. How would you like to have a key that would open a door so that you would never worry about what you're going to eat or drink or what you will wear? How would you like to have a key like that? You never have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or anything. That key could do that. So let's read on the back of this key. Can you read that? Let's see. Let me get this thing if I can figure it out. Maybe I won't. Oh, there we go. Okay. I'm going to have you read. Can you read that? The Bible says don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you will wear, but seek Ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. righteousness and and all these things will be added unto you. The key is to seek God first, not things. Okay, so the key is to seek God first and all these things will be added to you. That's a pretty good key. I like that key. Okay. Well, let's see what our second key is here. The second key is the blue one. And it says, how would you like to have a key that would open the door to the future so that you would know what to do and what choices to make? It's a pretty good key, huh? All right, you want to read that one? The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge. Acknowledge. God, and he will direct you your path. The key is to always seek what God wants your, for your life, not what you want. Yeah, so if we seek what God wants for our life, he's got the key to it. That's a good key. I like that key, too. Let's see what our next key is. It's the orange key. All right. It says, how about a key that would open the door to anything your heart desires? You have it. It's right here. Let's find out what that key is. The Bible says, honor your father and mother so that you may live along and that it may go well with you. 
the key for us to obey God's law and his law says obey your parents. Okay, so if you obey your parents, you'll live long and it may go well for you. That's a good key, isn't it? All right, I like that key. Okay, I bet your parents do like that key too. Would you like to have a key that would open the door to a long and happy life? That's the one we just read, I think. Orange key. Oh, we missed the green key. How would you like a key that would open the door to anything your heart desires? Did we do that one? Oh, no, we didn't do that one. Okay, here we go. The Bible says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires desires of your heart. The key is finding our happiness in God. Not in things. Not in things. Very good. So we want to delight ourselves in the Lord, and he'll give us the desires of our heart. God knows what we need and what we want more than we even know. Sometimes we don't realize what we really know, what we really, really want. But, you know, these keys are important to take with us, aren't they? Should we leave them at home? No, we need to learn these Bible verses and things and keep them in our heart and take them with us because keys don't do any good when they're just laying around, do they? Like those keys that are lost in the, in the forest, they're not doing that guy any good, are they? So we have keys to a good life, and those keys need to go with us. We need to do all the things that the Bible tells us to do, and we'll have a good life, won't we? That is the key to a good life. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much that you do give us the key, the, all the keys we need in the Bible to unlock a, a beautiful life with you. But we need to put you first and to read your words and read those keys and take those with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are uh, today going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, and we're going to take a look at the the life of Enoch. And um, I have a a list that I, uh, it's the, I guess I can make it official, my official list that I keep for myself uh, that I I may have shared with you before. I keep a little list that I'm not sure what the purpose of it is. It's just kind of, I guess, an enjoyable thing for me. But uh, I have a list I call my coffee list. It's a list of individuals throughout history that I would like to sit down and have a genuine conversation with. Uh, Enoch wasn't on my list, but he is now. Um, he's just a, a, a fascinating um, man of God that we're introduced to in the scriptures. And only in three passages, short passages, and uh, um, a couple of them largely say the same thing about him. And uh, so we're going to take a look at that today. Um, but before we do, I'd like us to to just kind of get ourselves 
oriented towards what Hebrews, the, the gist of what Hebrews is communicating, and to have square in front of us just uh, that we are, are here because of the work of Christ, and that our hope is in Him, our future is in Him, uh, that, that our salvation is in Him, and our ability to persevere through this life uh, to, until we, we reach our eternal home, that rests in Him as well, in His power to bring us through. So would you stand with me as we join together in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, several verses there. We've done this before, verses 19 through 25, but I'd like you to, to join me in this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thank you. You may be seated. Father, as we come to your word today, we ask that you would direct us into all truth as you have promised to do by the power of your spirit, that you desire for us to know you as you are and to worship you as you are and, uh, Lord, to walk with you by faith. And we ask that you would teach us that today uh, and every day, that as we look at your servant Enoch, that, Lord, you would show us um, the example of faith in which we are to walk. And uh, Lord, just speak to our our very souls, our very hearts and minds uh, for each person here as we all come from um, a, a unique place as that we're living out. But yet, you, this is your word, your one word, that is um, imparted to us by your one spirit. And we, we ask that you would uh, unite us together in that and draw us more deeply into fellowship with you and, and into surrender to you and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week I mentioned that I was going to give you, this week I was going to give you kind of a breakdown of Hebrews chapter 11. So if you're a note taker, you might want to get uh, your pencil warmed up here real quick. Uh, I can give it to you later as well if you don't get it all written down. But So there's going to be two ways in which, which I kind of break this down for you. Um, one is an overall Hebrews chapter 11 breakdown, which is in three, what I would say is three main parts to it. Um, I think we have that up here. So the first three verses, a description of what real faith is. Then verses 4 through 38 are examples that we ha- are given then of what real faith looks like when it's lived out. And then the last couple verses 
include the reader as a fellow sojourner of this real faith being lived out. So that Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll get there eventually as we work our way through it, but the very tail end of Hebrews chapter 11 kind of has a way of, of saying, okay, you've got all these examples, now you are, you finish the chapter. You live it out in likeness to these men and women of real faith. So now, um, so that would be a breakdown of, of Hebrews chapter 11, but to break down verses 4 through 38, there are some groups, some themes within the examples of real faith that we see. And uh, we're going to focus on the first one, which we started last week by looking at righteous Abel, this week being uh, on Enoch. Um, and so uh, we have Abel, Enoch, and uh, Noah who are grouped together with a theme of righteousness by faith. Verses 8 through 16 then, uh, we have a, a theme of, of people who sojourned through this earth with eyes on their eternal home. And then verses 17 through 22, I will tell you, by the way, this breakdown is not divinely inspired. Uh, I'm not going to claim that. Uh, this, is, this is my, uh, I'm hoping this is somewhat helpful to you to kind of understand that there are some themes within Hebrews 11, and you might, as you study, find um, some different themes within there. But uh, I think this might be helpful. Verses 17 through 22 are individuals who trusted un- the unseen promises of God. In other words, they, they weren't realized in their lifetime, yet they passed that baton of real faith in those promises that had yet to be fulfilled onto that next generation. Uh, verses 23 through 28 are characterized by sacrifice and suffering with eyes on an an eternal reward, not looking for an earthly reward. Verses 29 through 34 are those who lived by faith on their way to their eternal home. And what I mean by that is that what what is uh, unveiled for us in verses 29 through 34 are are individuals who walked by faith in, in real time and space, that they weren't only looking towards an eternal reward and an eternal home, but their real faith affected the way they lived in real time. And verses 35 through 38, those who persevered unto death to obtain an eternal reward. So that's, that's how I would kind of break down our examples of real faith, verses 4 through 38. And of course, we're going to be in the first part of that here. Um, as we continue to look at those who are characterized by righteousness that comes by faith. So um, we're going to look at Enoch. Enoch, uh, uh, man, um, the, more, the more I um, spend some time uh, on the life of Enoch, which there's, there's precious little to uh, really go off of, but there are some dots that we can connect uh, to f- more fully understand Enoch's life and his faith, the example of his faith. Um, and uh, I want to do that first by turning to G- Genesis chapter 5. Um, my hope is that as we look at, at Enoch, um, that you will be uh, greatly encouraged and really inspired in your walk with God. 
uh, we talk about that, that, that terminology you're going to see associated with Enoch specifically, walking with God. Now, there are, um, there, there are only a few individuals in Scripture where this, is, this kind of language is used to describe their relationship with God. There are some kings who are described as ha- having walked before God. In other words, that, that their actions were honorable or favorable uh, in the sight of God. But that's a different type of language that has more to do with, with submission and obedience where this walking with God uh, has an implication of fellowship with God. Um, walking in step with Him. Uh, as one would walk with a friend. Uh, of course, this being God Almighty, so we're not going to try and bring God Almighty down to friend status here. But, but with that kind of intimacy and fellowship and communion. So... Uh, Let's read Genesis chapter 5. We'll start in verse 18. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Now, there's a pattern here that we're not going to read all of them, but it it goes something like this. Uh, So-and-so lived so many years. And then they had a son, and then they lived so many more years and had other sons and daughters, and then they died. That's the pattern, verse by verse, as you go through here. They lived, had kids, and died. Lived, had kids, and died. Lived, had kids, and died. And it just verse by verse goes with that pattern. All right. So when we get to verse 21, uh, we go, what? Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God, which that's something new here, after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, there we have it again, and he was not, for God took him. Broke our pattern, didn't we? We broke the pattern there. Something is different with Enoch. This is the first time, you know, in, in, in the garden, we have language that suggests that Adam and, Adam and Eve were in fellowship with God in a, in a sort of walking with kind of way. That they walked with God, fellowshiped with God, communed with God. But then once they, they uh, entered into sin, this is the first account we have after that point of one who walks with God. In fellowship with God. Something is unique about Enoch um, that we're going to look at today. Now, Enoch is, uh, I'm going to put a graph up here for you. Hopefully, you'll be able to understand it a little bit. And I get to use a a tool that I don't get to use very much. I got a pointer. If I blind any of you, uh, my apologies. Uh, Anybody see that little red dot? I feel like I need to make a fly sound here or something. All right, so uh, I don't know if it's going to be any good, this pointer, but um, so Enoch is right here, okay? Enoch is Adam's great, 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 great grandson, okay? Got that? Now, what's interesting to me uh, is that uh, the, what you see here with these bars, basically this is starting with Adam at, at let's say, year zero, 
and then showing lifespans and how they overlap from one generation to the next. Okay, so that you have Adam and then Seth and Enos and, and Canaan and Mahalalel and Jared, Enoch. So there's Enoch. What you'll notice is his years are greatly reduced from, the, from those before him and immediately after him. Um, and he was no more. God took him. Uh, his, his son is Methuselah, which happens to be the longest living. So Enoch, the shortest of the patriarchs. Methuselah, the longest living of the patriarchs um, before the flood. And uh, interestingly, um, I, I, I'm going to put all this together because I think it's, it, it all ties together. And I hope you can kind of follow my, my uh, breadcrumbs here. But um, so Enoch lived 365 years. His son was Methuselah. Methuselah, his name uh, pretty literally means man of the spear or the man of the dart or man of the sword, something like that. Um, the idea is that there's, there's, there's uh, something that, that, that comes out from him uh, that, that, that is, uh, I don't know if violent is the right word, probably not really the right word, but that there's, there's something that would come out of Methuselah. Now, I will, I will stop short of saying emphatically that Methuselah's name is prophetic, However, it would not be surprising if it were. And here are some reasons why I say that. One, because it's a, it's, it's a pretty common uh, Hebrew name custom in the Old Testament for the names of, of um, the children to either be a, a um, l- pronouncing a sort of thankfulness or... or um, action that God has done or a celebration of something God has done or an, a, a name that accounts for something God has done or a looking forward to what God will do. Um, that, that names are very important in that way. So it wouldn't be un, un, uncommon from uh, the naming of uh, in Hebrew there for a name to be prophetic. The other reason I would say that that is likely that it's Methuselah's name uh, is prophetic is that Noah's name is prophetic. We get a few verses down there, and and Noah is his grandson, Methuselah's grandson, Enoch's great-grandson, and Noah's name is prophetic. If we get down into chapter 5, verse 29, it says, and and, uh, they called his name, Lamech called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. The curse of, uh, of sin had taken, was taking full effect, and, and the people who were upon the earth were feeling it. And Noah, his name sounds similar to the Hebrew for rest. So, so Noah, in the naming of Noah was prophetic in that they looked for God to do something to bring relief from the evil, from the curse of sin. And so, um, it, it, and one more detail of Methuselah is he died the year that the flood came. So when we put all those pieces together and we see Methuselah's name means man of the spear as if something coming forth 
to, 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 uh, to penetrate, to, to do some sort of, I don't know, again, violence isn't really the word I'm looking for, um, but an action that God would take towards the curse of sin. And then we have Methuselah dying the year that the flood comes. And so I think that's all really fascinating. And I would like to sit down with Enoch and say, hey, man, you walked with God and you named your kid Methuselah. Did you know that there was something coming? Like, was, how, how, what was going on there? But so we have Enoch, the great, 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 great grandson of Adam. Then we have Noah is uh, the great grandson of Enoch. And then Methuselah, the son of Enoch. Now, Another reason that I would say suggest that um, that Methuselah's name may be prophetic is that because is because of what is recorded for us in the book of Jude, verses fourteen and fifteen, which I think we uh, actually no turn there with me. It's uh, it's right before Revelation, so it's way it's a very small book, but it's sandwiched uh, between John's epistles and Revelation. And um, commonly, Jude is, you'll only see the verses of Jude referred to because there's only, well, there's not chapter divisions in, in the book of Jude. So, so Jude, verses 14 and 15, we have something very interesting given to us about Enoch. Now, the book of Jude is addressing um, uh, false teaching and um, those who are perverting the gospel and, um, and Jude has some really strong language against that. And in his discussion about that, he, he mentions Enoch. In verse 14, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied saying on all, and to, uh, pro- prophesied saying on all, uh, behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly and all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. You get the idea, right? He's talking about ungodliness, right? Um, things that are against God. And of, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So this is a... a this is a prophecy that Enoch gave that God was going to bring judgment against ungodliness and against the harsh, ungodly things that people had spoken against God. Now, this, this appears to be a sort of lesser than and greater than fulfillment thing that we have going on. Um, we see this theme through Scripture where, where promises or prophecies are given in the Old Testament and we see them fulfilled in the Old Testament, but then we see a greater fulfillment in Christ in some way. And, and this seems to be one of those where the flood did come, and God did bring judgment against ungodliness after Enoch's day. He did bring judgment against, uh, against humanity, their sin. But then there's a greater fulfillment coming too, because Jude, Jude exists after the flood, Right? And he's, saying, he's hearkening back to the words of Enoch as if they still apply. Well, there is a final judgment coming, isn't there? Where all ungodliness is going to be accounted for before the throne of God. God's righteous judgment on sin. 
And so with that pronouncement of, of judgment that Enoch gives, that warning of judgment, I think it makes a whole lot of sense that, that Methuselah's name likely is intended to be a prophetic one that points to the flood and God's judgment and perhaps even farther beyond to the final judgment of God. So all these things I, I mentioned to you because Enoch is, is told, it is said of him that he walked with God. That he was in fellowship with God. Now Enoch, uh, where this all comes into play is if you consider the judgment that Enoch prophesies, the coming judgment, you consider that, that, only, uh, uh, that, that his grandson is the one who God speaks to about the flood and judgment that he's bringing. En- the days that Enoch lived in were evil. Evil was growing on the earth during the days of of Enoch. In fact, if we look at Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now this is, this is during the days of Noah, so this is not very far from Enoch here. So the evil was growing in the earth. Now when we look around and we see... Uh, now, there's no denying that we live in days where there is great evil. But we can sometimes, and I think every generation tends to do this, that somehow our days are way more evil than the days that came before us. Maybe. I don't know. I don't have the perspective of God on that. But I can tell you that it got so bad there just a few generations in that God wiped humanity from the face of the earth. And the days in which Enoch lived were very evil. And yet, Enoch is spoken to us as a man who walked with God. Meaning that Enoch didn't walk out of his house and have a a whole bunch of people who were rallying around him to cheer him on walking with God, but rather, he was going against the tide of culture. A tide of culture that slandered God. that did violence to God's name, where people did ungodly things. And Enoch is unique in that he did not walk in the ways of man, but walked, in, walked with God. And we see Enoch having a very unique departure from earth, that God took him he spared him with by his mercy, spared him the process of death. Enoch stands for us here in Hebrews as really a perfect example of a real and persevering faith. Three over three hundred years that Enoch walked with God in the midst of evil. Over three hundred years. Now he he he's the one who lives the shortest uh, on this earth in the span of those patriarchs listed there, but that's still quite a bit longer than you and I are likely to walk this earth. Don't you agree? And his days were evil, yet he perseveringly and in a real and tangible way had a faith in practice where he walked with God. So let's, and he was rewarded for it. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death 
and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was, uh, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. You will notice that taken there is used like three times. There is a, uh, this points to a couple of things. One, that there is a reward for those who walk with God by faith. Two, that this, this life uh, that we live, it doesn't end with the grave. That these bodies we walk around in, they, this is a temporary situation for us. There is a new heaven and a new earth coming where our bodies are resurrected in, in a glorious form. Where creation is restored. And all hope is not lost at the grave, but rather it's more of a, a, a necessary doorway for us to walk through to enter into our eternal home. Verse 6, it says, uh, it says that he pleased God there at the end of verse 5, and it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, which the language there is kind of interesting. gets translated here in the ESV as he exists. Other translations just say that he is. Uh, it, the language there for he exists in the ESV is, is very similar sounding to the language that is used to express that God is eternally and self-existent. That no one created him. That he that I am who I am, that he introduces himself to be in Exodus chapter 3. So, uh, so that those uh, who seek him, whoever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists. I mean, that makes sense, right? Uh, uh, it makes perfect sense that Enoch walks with God. I mean, kind of foundational to walking with anybody is that you believe they exist. Do you agree? For Enoch to walk in fellowship with God, ground zero is to believe that he is. That God is. Um, So that's one. But the second part is, and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, um, I think we all understand this, but just to clarify, when we talk about this idea of reward, it's not like, you know, I, I did the right thing because I know I'm going to be given this thing over here. As if it's still a selfish thing that I'm pursuing. As if like, well, if that reward weren't available, I would have gone ahead and done, you know. I, I found a purse, right? So I turn it in because I know that there's some kind of reward coming back to me rather than just because I know it's the right thing. The reward we get from walking with God is not like we have this sort of like treasure pile stashed somewhere that God just keeps dumping stuff on top of because we keep doing the right thing. But rather our reward comes in the very thing that Enoch, I mean there's, there's plenty of types of rewards that God is, it gives to those who, who follow him. But one of the most cherished one is that God gives himself. Enoch walked with God. The gift of fellowship with God. The treasure of knowing God himself. For which the Apostle Paul said that that was 
that was the pinnacle of reward for him was knowing Christ. To walk with him. To have fellowship with him. So we have Enoch here sandwiched between, uh, between righteous Abel and Noah, the heir of righteousness, as it says down there in verse 7. Enoch being righteous himself, having been a man who walked with God, who pleased God by the way he lived. And here are some things that we do know here, and we'll start connecting some dots here. When we put together what is prophesied in Jude by Enoch, and we put together what is spoken of, of Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 and here in Hebrews chapter 11. Here are some things that we know. His life was marked by a consistent and persevering fellowship with God. I mean, the unique thing that stands out to us in Genesis and in Hebrews is that he walked with God. He pleased God. He was a man who walked by faith with God. Another thing is that he, uh, his, he had a, his daily existence expressed that he walked with God in that his life was holy. It had a purity and a holiness to it that showed that he belonged to God and walked with God. The way he lived reflected who he belonged to and who he served. And the third thing is that he spoke the truth of God and ultimately called people to repentance. We know that from, from the pronouncement there in Jude and, and, um, and if Methuselah's name is indeed prophetic, that continued uh, calling to repentance through, through the naming of his own child even. So here are some, uh, just want to go over then some dynamics of what we can capture from Enoch, of his real faith, the way his faith was exhibited. So the first one is fellowship with the Lord. He relied on the Lord, and he walked with the Lord. And that is that God is in real time and space, truly present. So we have... um, uh, and the, the, I don't know where I, when I started to notice, notice this, but after I gave my life to Christ as a, as a young person, um, I began to notice that Christians, at least that I was around, were very comfortable talking about God. They just didn't want to talk to God, if that makes sense. Like, they were totally fine gathering with other Christians and talking about God and talking about what the Scriptures say about God, and debating about you know, right doctrine and the right way to practice our faith and all of this. But when it came to praying together, it was like, hmm, but do we want to talk to God together? It's more comfortable to talk about God than to Him. That there was a, a dynamic of fellowship with God that seems to be challenging for believers that we love the idea of God being with us, present with us. We love that He has saved us through His Son, that we have the hope of heaven. But somehow we feel uncomfortable with the idea of actually fellowshipping with Him together. 
drawing near to him in an intimate way together. C.H. Spurgeon, I think, had a great, great way of summarizing um, this type of fellowship with God that Enoch had. I think we have the quote up here from Spurgeon. In his daily life, and he's talking about Enoch here, in his daily life, he realized that God was with him and he regarded him as a living friend in whom he confided and by whom he was loved. Keep going. That's it? That's all I gave you? Oh. All right. He walked with God. It was not that he thought of God merely. Now this is, this is what really stuck out to me about what Spurgeon said. He walked with God. It was not that he thought of God merely, that he speculated about God, that he argued about God, that he read about God, that he talked about God, but he walked with God, which is the practical and experimental part of true godliness. Enoch's faith then was a realizing faith. He did not believe things as a matter of creed and then put them up on the shelf out of the way, as too many do. He was not merely orthodox in his head, but the truth had entered into his heart and what he believed was true to him, practically true, true as a matter of fact in his daily life. That's good stuff. That's a very good observation by Spurgeon of Enoch's life. That God is real. When Hebrews 11 says that we must believe he exists, it's not merely saying that in your head, do you believe God exists? Yeah, sure I do. What Hebrews displays for us through Enoch is God is here with you in power, in time and space, right here, right now, with you and you can commune with him and fellowship with him to know him and be known by him to walk in step with him that is Enoch's example that we are not people who just know the right stuff and argue a good doctrine and have all the apologetics laid out to convince you that the Bible says these things are true not dogging those things. Those are good things. But what, what we are called to is not just to know this stuff and know about God, but called and invited into knowing God experientially by faith as we walk it out through our life in the daily events of life that we walk in fellowship with Him. And I want you to know today that as I preach this, I am the first person in line to hear this. I'm the first of all of us that need to be hearing this. To be reminded that I have been invited into walking with God each moment of each day rather than just knowing about Him and talking about Him. And telling you about him. And telling others about him. And studying about him. And reading books about him. 
reading commentaries that tell me what the Bible says about him. That I actually know him for myself. Not through someone else. That God's not like a Facebook friend. Where I just see random posts and that's how I know him. He's not, not the way we know a celebrity, right? By reading about them or seeing them on the pictures. But that we know him as a friend. That we know him intimately. That we walk with him the way Enoch did. That our faith in him, that he is real to us. Right now. Right here. In the midst of our struggle. In the midst of whatever we're going through. That's the first thing. Second thing is this dynamic that we see by Enoch of his faith is that he pursued the reward of God rather than the word, the reward of man. Enoch walked counter to the culture in which he lived because he sought to know God and to have any reward that he received come from God rather than from walking like everyone else. We, he was a man who lived during days that were evil, and yet he was one who walked with God by faith. He sought to please God rather than man. Third thing is, uh, he lived a holy life. And I'm not here to suggest that Enoch was like, you know, sinless. I'm not trying to suggest that. But what we are told here is that he is a man who walked with God, that he pleased God, and that he prophesied to people that God's judgment was coming against ungodliness. Implied there is turn from it. Turn from ungodliness. And and Enoch's life, being a man who walked with God, the daily habits of his life displayed the characteristics of his holy God, pure and holy God. I would say this, that as, as the church then, in likeness to that, the, our morality, the way we live in this world, ought to reflect a pure and holy God. The fourth thing that we learn is that he proclaimed the words of God. We are given the words of God here, that we share those with others. And Enoch did that. That's one of the things that Jude makes clear to us is that Enoch, and this ties in with the fifth thing as well, that he warned unbelievers about God's coming judgment. Those two things, I think, kind of go together. The fourth and, uh, go ahead and put the fifth one up there. That Enoch proclaimed the word of God and called people to repentance and faith in God. So while, you, while we look at those, I want to ask you some questions related to that. Are you seeking daily to walk with God as Enoch did? Um, you know, by scriptures talk about praying without ceasing, about being thankful in all things, about acknowledging Him, about um, trusting in Him, that, that this is... It's not God on a shelf and we kind of, when we have concerns, we toss him his way, but it is God who, who I am who I am and he is with us in the present. 
right now walking with us. And so we talk with Him and trust in Him and rely on Him, confide in Him. Are you pursuing the reward of God over the reward of man? You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would we rather have what will come from God or what we can obtain in this, from this earth? Another thing that I would ask you is, are you seeking to live a life that is pure and holy in the sight of God? You know, Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 26 there, it gave a warning. And it said, uh, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. And First John points to this thing as well, that if, if we have placed our faith in Christ and we are believers in Christ, then our life ought to increasingly show it through the habits that we keep, through the way that we live each day, through our morality and our purity, through our character as we are being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And are you sharing and proclaiming the word of God that leads to salvation? This is, this is some, are we convinced of that? First of all, are, are we convinced that God exists in real time and space with me right here, right now, that he is present with us in power? And if we are, then are we convinced that he is bringing judgment against sinners? That judgment is coming, eternal damnation for sinners? Or do we believe that? And do we believe, really, that He is the only way for man, woman, and child to be saved in the day of judgment? If we truly believe that and stake our lives upon it and live each day by it, then how could we not tell others about it? How could we not warn others that the judgment of God is coming against sin? How could we not tell them that there is a way of escaping God's judgment and it is through His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He gave for us? These are the examples that we have of Enoch, a real faith being lived out. And for us to remember that Enoch also lived during evil days, should give us particularly, particular encouragement, I believe. That he lived during days where God was mocked and slandered and his existence was denied. And yet he trusted God and walked with him in fellowship with him for over 300 years. If Enoch can do that, and the suggestion of him being mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 suggests, I believe, that if Enoch could walk with God in such a way, then surely by God's grace, we are able to do the same. Not by our own efforts, but by the grace of God. That we can learn to walk with God the way Enoch did. Now, we're not going to get probably 365 years of practice this side of heaven. Um, at least, Lord, I hope not. I, you know, <laughs> But... But whatever years we're given, that we learn how to walk with God. The Lord is no less present now than He was in the days of Enoch. 
So our encouragement from Hebrews as it calls every believer to persevere in their faith in God is that our faith be real, tangible, tangibly lived out. That's why Hebrews then starts out with faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Uh, Some versions use the substance of things unseen. That real, tangible way in which our faith affects our life is the substance of the things unseen, the promises of God that are going to be fulfilled and the proving out of it in our life. What if we all walked with God the way that Enoch did? wonder how things might look different. Let us all seek to devote ourselves to learn what that means to walk with God, to learn from Enoch, to let our faith be real and genuine, and for us to firmly, truly, 100% believe God is right here, right now, involved in the stuff of life, and that he is available and invites me to actually walk with him in fellowship, to know him and be known. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great mercy towards us that you would save sinners like us, that you would invite us to become children of God by faith in your Son, whom you gave for us. And not just children by name, but children in fellowship as well, that we know you as our Father in heaven, that we walk with you day by day, that in the affairs of life, Lord, we, we trust in you, we lean on you, we, we, we rest all of our hope in you, that every concern that we have, we confide in you. Lord, teach us how to do that. To learn from Enoch's example. To learn from our Lord Jesus' example. To walk in his ways. And teach us collectively how to do this as a church. Lord, what a powerful testimony that one would have said of them that they pleased you or that they walked with you. Help us to live in such a way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me, church, as we... Close in song.
we have the example of, of Enoch, and then on the heels of all these examples of faith given for us, Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Not only do we have a risen Savior who is our advocate before the Father, but we also have the power of God present with us. Remember he said, I will give you a helper? We have the the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us that we may walk in fellowship with him every day. So let us learn as the children of God what that means to walk with him. And let Enoch be an inspiration as we uh, point ourselves in that direction. Church, may you learn every day more and more how to walk with God.